So here's the choice. Some people say the USA is finished. It's evil, a has-been, full of hate and injustice. The US Constitution should be trashed and the Bill of Rights abolished. No free speech, no gun ownership. Competition and free markets are bad. We're all too stupid. For our own good, the government must own everything and know all your secrets. Other people say that America has created the freest, richest, happiest, most generous society that has ever existed in the world. That's why millions of people are desperate to come here and escape their brutal lives in Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, and 100 other countries. In America, we have the right to succeed, the right to our own living, the right to have a family, the right to believe in God, the right to have our own ideas, the right to be safe and secure, and the right to be left alone. Where do you stand? Help us save the Constitution and restore the American dream. Go to SaveMyFreedom.com. Brought to you by the American Media Council. The following is a live copyrighted presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for Radiolawtalk.com with your host, Frederick Penny, attorney at law. And now, Radiolawtalk.com. Good morning, everyone, or afternoon, if you're listening to this on a podcast or a rebroadcast on somewhere else. We, we broadcast live on Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Welcome to Radio Law Talk, second hour. I'm Todd Kunin. To my right, Denise Dirk. Standing in, both of us sitting in for Fred Penny, who's on assignment. Um, I think that Fred is not here today because he's really just spending a lot of time getting his Halloween costume together. And, and getting ready to trick-or-treat this evening. You know, taking the kids or grandkids out to trick-or-treat. But really, it's about him of course getting it is. Con- yeah. the candy. That's and like all of us, he bought extra candy candy for himself. And once the kids come in, you start negotiating for the good stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> that's the way That's the way that it works. You know, there, there was one thing I saw on a late-night show. They do this. I think it was like Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, one of those. But... This is the one that broke my heart. It was send us in videos of you videotaping your kids November 1st, the day after Halloween. It was Kimmel. Telling them that you ate all of their Halloween right. candy the night before and video. And I, I got, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Whatever chuckle you might get out of video like that, it is not worth the drama that you inflict on the children. Just not worth it for them. But. You just tell them, look, I got to go through, make sure there's nothing in this candy. And and then, you know, tell them you had to sample it a little bit. Yeah, I did. You know, what's wrong? Just, just pay, no, pay no attention to the fact that I have chocolate all over my face in the corners of my mouth or whatever. I, I had to negotiate the Reese's peanut butter cups for my kids. <laughs> There's nothing left but the candy corn. What the heck? I'm sorry. That's the bad news. I'm a candy corn fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I just I just wonder who it is. Speaking of Halloween candy, right? I'm just wondering who it is came up with the genius idea to rename the mini candies fun size. I can tell you the story behind that if you'd like. Oh, please do. I actually researched it one time. Um, this all began in the Depression, when people could not afford to buy a full-size candy bar, even though they were a nickel. So they cut them down to bite-size, penny-size, used to call them bite-size. 
And then eventually there was something pejorative. I don't know how they, but they decided we have to, we have to change it to fun. Take this depression era candy that you know. Let's make it fun. So let's make it fun size because nothing fun about the depression, right? I just noticed. You know what? That was a case or no case. Yes, it was. It was a case or no case. Yes, and then you gave us that. You told us about that. Yeah. I do remember that. I don't remember the case or no case, unfortunately, but I do remember that story. I I just think (laughs) it's interesting that the term fun size has not made it to other products that come in (laughs) small, (laughs) medium, or large. All right. Watch it now. Watch yourself now. What? what? I'm I'm talking about shoes and underwear stuff like that. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> what size underwear do you wear? Fun size. Uh, fun size. <laughs> well, okay. I'll be the judge of that. All right. So uh, <laughs> oh, we've gone completely off the rails now. And Denise is already you know, running for the door. I'm not going to be a part of this. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about last night. I was actually looking at pictures oh, well, where go- my oh, husband oh. was in fun size shorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. oh, good heavens. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right now, Fred is immediately calling his FCC lawyers. How do I... Look, look, I just provided the platform. They're the ones doing the talking. <laughs> uh, Radio Law Talk, we have a lot of fun here. Uh, we've got some stuff to talk about this hour. Uh, I think we're going to, at some point in time, head back, talk about this uh, DOJ, or the, what is it, the regulation, or Denise... Slap me upside the head. The what am I saying? The, the 230 regulation, the U.S. or the 47 U.S. Code Section 2330 Immunities. Yes, and and proposed regulation. It's very important. It's probably the most important thing that I want to focus on with this is the difference between it being an executive order. This is a, so let it be written, so let it be done, versus proposed legislation. The difference between those two, because I think sometimes people miss out on that and they they conflate one for the other. So we got that. Uh, Let's see, what else do we have to talk about? Oh, well, we have our our California... We're going to shut you down, but you still got to pay for your permits. We got that California one that we're going to be talking about. You, you know, folks, look, we are a nation. We are a national show. We are a national show. But why do we talk about California maybe a little bit more than others? So that you guys that are not in California can sit back and go, whoo, thank heaven we don't live there. Yep, so you can make <laughs> fun of us. That's why. <laughs> yeah, you, ever, you, ever heard the, uh, you ever heard the phrase, sometimes for some people, their, the purpose of their life is to serve as a warning to others. Well, that's what it's like living here. Just, you know, listen to what we say and Don't let this happen to you. And enjoy where you're at. Uh, we also have uh, oh the, the cult leader that was sentenced and some interesting things that were said there. From a criminal defense attorney standpoint, I'm gonna talk about some things that he said in his defense at sentencing that might have had his attorneys going, Good heavens, dude, seriously? I mean, did you really want to say that? So we'll talk about that. But we still get things started off with uh, our favorite and everyone's favorite case or no case. Now it's time to play case or no case. Okay, I'm going to hustle through this. I'm going to hustle through this. So take notes. All right, I'm I'm, I'm hustling with the notepad. 43-year-old Brian Butch Peace Jr. was a highly experienced supplier and technician installer. Lives in Florida. Hustle, 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 hustle. He was performing a routine dishwasher installation when he made a grave mistake. And he was electrocuted to death while hooking up the appliance's wiring. There was chaos and trauma in the home where he was working. Such work is performed over and over all around the country by workers from big box stores to mom and pop shops. John's Appliance had sold uh, appliances in this community for years. 
Uh, in fact, he'd been working here for nearly 20, the guy who, who uh, died. And uh, this was a Bosch machine, which is slightly different than your normal Frigidaire, but the maternal grandfather of Pisa's two minor children thought maybe a lawsuit should have been filed against the appliance store because they say obviously he was not proper tra properly trained despite his ten or 20 years experience, pardon me, 20 years experience. So the grandfather went to go see a lawyer, and I ask you, by the oh, one quick thing. Yes. Uh, Mr. Peace occasionally smoked the ganja herb. I'm just pointing that out, which seemed to make him prone to mistakes, and he had no electrician's license. I'm just pointing that out. But what do you think, case or no case? I think, Denise, it's your turn to start this off this time. Um, this is going to, I think what's, what this is going to come down to is whether or not uh, Florida is, uh, what type of a negligence state is it? Is it one where it apportions negligence amongst the potential defendants? Uh, is it one where if the plaintiff has any part in that negligence that it precludes uh, the lawsuit? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's one of those that has to do with negligence and how it's done. And I have no idea what Florida is, to be honest. But I know that Florida is kind of a debtor's haven. So it would seem to me like Florida would be protective. <laughs> By the way, no, we're not on in Florida. Defendants. Oh, we're not? No. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. As, yeah. as of now, as it of is. Now right. not. <laughs> Podcast completely shut down in Florida. Anybody listening to us online in Florida, not. They're okay. just gone. Well, that's all I know about Florida is that, you know, it's a debtor's haven, which means that there are laws you know, pro-debtor. So I would say the laws would be pro-defendant, that um, that this is a lawsuit. I won't even go to a lawsuit, maybe. <laughs> I know what you're doing, Denise. Uh, <laughs> you heard the music. The music says we got a minute oh. left. If I can stretch this out for another 30 seconds, they'll take it to commercial, and then I can think about how I want to answer. You think that's what I'm doing? Well, and I think I just helped you out Yes, that. that's exactly what I <laughs> But it really, it really is an interesting case. Here's a guy who smokes the herb. He doesn't have an electrician's license, but he's got 20 years' experience in his field. Shocks himself to death while installing a dishwasher. So how does that kind of play out? It's an interesting stuff, I think. <laughs> and, and by the way... Such a happy story. I don't know what time it is. It's... Uh, <laughs> But is I don't know. It's Florida stoned your ground law, and I just I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, man. Whatever. There's no stone your. Hey, if you want to call in, call in at eight five 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 two nine seven two three four. That's eight five five Law Radio. Give us a call. We'll be right back. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. 
Medicare rules are confusing. They should be. There are over 130,000 pages of regulations. There's Part A through D, Medicare Advantage, and Medigap. According to the CMS, there are government programs available that can help you pay for your medical expenses. Choosing the right Medicare plan is a really big deal. The wrong choice can cost you a lot of money, and the right choice can put more money in your pocket. Call one of our licensed representatives today. At 65 Plus Medicare, our free service can show you a plan that will maximize your Medicare benefits, ensure you are taking advantage of all available government assistance programs, and save you money. Plus, call right now and get a free report on how to avoid costly Medicare mistakes. Call now. 800-220-7612. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-918-1376-800-918-1376-800-918-1376. That's 800-918-1376. Ever wonder how the credit card companies make their money? Well, think about this. If you owe $25,000 on five different credit cards and you make your minimum payments every month, Here's what it's going to cost you. Are you sitting down? You'll shell out over 13 grand in additional interest, and it's going to take over 13 years to pay off your original $25,000 balance. That's how they make money. Now it's your turn to fight back by calling the Debt Solutions Network. We'll work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. We promise we can and will reduce your debt. Call right now for a free 15-minute debt analysis. 866-451-3328. 866-451-3328. That's 866-451-DEBT. This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. Boys are weird. You're a whiner. This is Radio Law Talk. 
You know, the intro music that we have, that da 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 da. I feel like I'm. I feel like I need to be at a rave, kind of. Yeah. You know, <laughs> look, that would not be a pretty sight to see Todd at a rave. That that would just be like, e. Well, if you go to one, for heaven's sake, post video of it. Oh, please. oh yes, 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 yeah. That'll 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 really drive the user content down. So uh, so here we are. Um, 420 friendly dude installing a installing a dishwasher 20 years experience all right whatever yeah and electrocutes himself and the dad of the deceased because the deceased had children is wondering whether or not he should consult a lawyer or does he is it a case is it no case and it was to Denise we stalled plenty of time for you Denise Yes. Uh, yeah, so, I think so, I think well, the second time I've done that to Denise. I am sorry. My brain is messed up today. I'm very sorry. Go ahead, Denise. I'm so sorry. Now well, no, don't be sorry. Um, you gave me lots of time to think. That was my job. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that this is, and I, and I just have to go with my gut. No case. Okay, Mr. Cunin, what say you? Case or no case? I, you know, Cal, when you give these scenarios, my mind goes to trying to envision what actually took place, you know, and you, you can see the guy. Yeah, all right, so go ahead and tell you what, turn on the light switch, see if this dishwasher works. Now, the first thing would be, wait, you wired the dishwasher to the light switch? <laughs> That's your first problem, but uh, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I am going to say that this is a case. It is a case, but the appliance store now, you said it was possibly against the store. I'm going to say the appliance store prevails because although the person might not have been a an electrician, he did have 20 years' experience installing these things, you know, show me that he didn't know what he was doing and that he should have had help, that he needed help, that something was different. And so I'm just going to say the appliance store wins. What the heck? What could possibly go wrong well, with that answer? Well, that's a great question. What could go wrong after all is said and done? Well, Denise, you said it was not a case. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm okay. sorry. But... But there was a twist. As I tried to find twists in these things. Uh-oh. First off, what the man did, what Ju- Mr. Jr. did, is he hooked the hot wire, the black wire, to the frame of the dishwasher. Ouch. And he hooked the ground wire to power. And so when they activated the circuit, he was in some water doing this thing with the Bosch, and it just got him, and his heart stopped. He died. A sad story. That's what John Hinton, the owner of John's uh, Appliances, said. Now... The incident attracted the attention of the United States Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Oh, no. (laughs) And they issued three serious citation fines to John's appliance, saying, why didn't he have training? That was what this whole, that's what the grandfather sued about. He didn't have adequate training. However, he had 20 years' experience. He'd done it so many times. Florida has some kind of shield law for you doing a related business. You can hook up electricity, uh, you know, some kind of deal like that. Shield law. Well, you know, it's a a shielder's haven. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) At any rate, John's appliance and bedding settled for $5,000. That was it. That's it? That's it. And yes, by the way, he did have... THC in his system. Oh, so that, what? ladies and gentlemen, is uh, interesting. Interesting thing about. So, well, you got to tell me how he wins. It's a case, but 
Does he get the outcome? I don't. I, I said. Uh, I said the appliance store won. Well, if they ended up paying five thousand bucks, I guess I. I guess I lose on that. Yeah, they negotiated it down from thirty thousand dollars, which was the original award, and they just negotiated it down to five thousand dollars. Five thousand. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So they must have had a good lawyer, I guess. Right. Well, you know, it's, you you raise an interesting point when you said he had THC in his system, mm-hmm. and the interesting thing about that as a DUI attorney, and you can be driving under the influence of drugs. It's not always alcohol. It can be drugs. It can be marijuana. It can be uh, prescription drugs. It can right. be prescription drugs. It actually, it technically can be any substance, any substance, the way the law is written, that impairs you so that you can't exercise the caution or characteristic of a person who does not have those substances right. in their system, right? But here's the thing about THC. Not all THC is created equal. There is THC that stays in your system for 30 to 60 days. That is the stuff, you know, you, you, somebody gets high on the first, and then they have a, a job interview and a drug test on the 15th, and they're, like, freaking out because they smoked pot two weeks ago, and they're clearly not high. And guess what? They're going to test positive mm-hmm. for the for the uh, inactive uh, metabolite for THC. It's Delta-9 THC, which is the active ingredient that stays in your system for up to four hours, five hours. That's what gets you high. So if he had the Delta-9 THC... Dude was smoking on the job. Well, it was a, contrib- so do, it was a contributing I'm, factor. That's all I want to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, actually, that re- can you test for that? So, let's say somebody is arrested for marijuana use while mm-hmm. and being impaired for driving. How do they test for that? How do they do that? Well, they can test it with a blood test. As long as the gas chromatograph that they're using has been programmed to look for that. Okay, so they can test for the Delta 9 THC. It's how we did criminal. How do you test it, though? It's a blood test. They have to take a blood test. You can't test it through urine. And what's the standard? What's the standard for being impaired for tetrahydrocannabinoids versus alcohol? Well, now now that raises another interesting point. Radio law talk. Dang it, we're going to talk about the law. (laughs) So that raises an interesting point. In every state, especially California, this is where we're not different from the rest of the country. There is only one substance for which they have said, whether you're technically impaired or not, if you have this substance in your system at or above a certain level, you are legally DUI for purposes of the statute, and that's alcohol. And the level is .08 or higher. Every other substance, you can be DUI, but they have to prove not the level at which you have that substance in your system. You're only DUI if they can prove that it adversely affected your ability to safely operate a motor vehicle. So they have to prove impairment is what you're saying. They have to prove impairment, whereas for alcohol, they just have to prove that it was at a certain level. So my defense to impairment is that I use it every day, and it takes me a lot um, to actually be impaired. Is that an actual defense? If you could pass your sobriety tests or field, your coordination tests and you could show that it doesn't adversely affect your ability, look, they have to prove that beyond a reasonable doubt. You have a defense and we have a break. We'll be back after this. This is Radio Law Talk. Stay tuned. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. This is Radio Law Talk. Hi, my name is...
name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-263-2610. 800-263-2610. That's 800-263-2610. Dish, 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 dish TV is better than cable TV. Why? Because you can save 45% on packages compared to your high-priced cable bill. Wow. Take those giant scissors out and cut the cable and save with Dish TV. Plus, you get a free DVR upgrade to record your favorite shows and free installation. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch TV for free on your mobile device. Act fast. You can save hundreds of dollars. Does your cable company do that for you? I don't think so. Get all the best TV programming at your fingertips at a fraction of the price of cable TV. So say adios, arrivederci, goodbye to the high cable bill, and save up to 45% on Dish TV packages today. These are limited time offers and can change at any time. Call fast. 800-814-5108. 800-814-5108. This is Radio Law Talk. And now, back to the show. All right, so we are we are back here. We were talking a little bit going into the break just uh, about impairment for alcohol. And one thing one last thing I wanted to uh, that I wanted to point out was so every state has the 0.08 or higher. That's it used to be 0.10 and way back in the day it was even higher, but now it's down to 0.08. I think Utah has proposed a law. I don't know if it passed or not to lower it to like 0.06 or 05 or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm pretty sure it passed. I, I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, but but here's the thing. So, if you are driving and you have a blood alcohol level that is below a 0.08, can you still be guilty of DUI? Trivia question. What do you what do you say, Denise? You're nodding your head. Yes. Yeah, you can because if if let's say that you're you're clearly impaired. Yeah. And, you know, you're driving and you're swerving and, you know, driving, you know, so badly. The states have companion twin DUI bills. And the DUI bills are the, the DUI laws are this. There's under one law. It is against the law to be impaired in driving due to alcohol. In some states, see, you can be a DUI even just being in physical control. You're passed out drunk behind the wheel of the car, keysing the ignition. The car's not moving, but you had physical control over that car. You can still be a DUI in that state. I think uh, Nevada might be that um, type of state. So you can be impaired if you're .08 or higher. You can also be impaired if you have alcohol in your system, and that's affecting your ability to drive. Look, we've all seen people. We've all seen people that have two, maybe three beers, and now they think they're the funniest person in the room, and they can't walk straight, and you know they're just they're lightweights, they're impaired, they can't think. Look, 
three beers on a 150-pound person, if they chugged them, is going to get their blood alcohol level up to about a .06. Clearly below the limit, they got no business driving. They can be DUI, even if they're below the limit. So just a little little something-something to let you know about DUI Cal. Yeah, lots of interest on, on this topic of censorship. We have a caller from Sacramento who's listening online. Go ahead, caller. Ask your question, please. I was just, or if it was me, uh, it's uh, the, uh, the the Facebook, the two, the Law Two Twenty or whatever you guys are talking about. Yeah, yeah. What's your, what's your question? What, what's your comment on that? My, my thought was is that uh, it was mentioned. I think Denise mentioned it was um, that they were putting red marks next to, "Hey, check this out for yourself." But it's it's going more than that. They're closing accounts on individuals that write truthful statements that haven't, I mean, there's no open law cases or anything that's proven it wrong. So it's not necessarily just getting a red mark, check this out. It's they are closing, they are suppressing individuals' comments. Yeah, they're like so purging them, purging them out of the system is what you're saying, right? They're, 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 well, yeah, and they're, and they're closing accounts for individuals, and then the, 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 the comment comes back and says, hey, I'm just going to go with one particular individual that I, that is known um, that is like, hey, okay, we close your account, we'll let you go back on as long as you say if we closed your account was okay or that it was reasonable. So unless, so if you don't believe it's reasonable and it's a profitable account, you're basically holding their profits. So you're not, you're really silencing things on that platform because it's, it's more than just it's more than just redlining out or saying, hey, you can view this tweet, but before you do, you need to know that maybe there's some information that we have deemed factually incorrect with that knowledge. Go ahead and take a look and, and look at this content. With some folks, it's more than that. They're actually having the comment completely deleted, so nobody has the option of seeing it. And in addition to that, some are even suffering that they're... Um, that their Facebook accounts or Twitter accounts are deleted or completely put on hold. Thank you very much for the uh, the call there and for that information. That is true. That is happening. I think that I think the vast majority, if you were to look at the majority of instances, you know, most the most common one is probably just the uh, the the beginning where they say, look. You can see this content, but you need to know that we have deemed that there may be some things that are factually dubious. With that, go ahead and take well, a look at it. But but we do have the other censorship that might be happening. Cal. And, and that's the point. David here is on the telephone. He has about another question about censorship. Dave, go ahead, please. Yeah, let me give you the uh, – in case there's no case, you don't have to worry if this is the case or not because it is. And I'll only give you the uh, Cal-approved Cliff Notes version. Yeah, just make it uh, quick. I've, I've been being actively <laughs> prosecuted and still am to this day for the last four years for calling into public radio station, which happens to be the University of New Mexico radio station, KUNM, with political commentary, which is, which is uh, to be short, it's, it's, it's within all normal bounds, moral, ethical, legal, uh, it's, uh, social, etc. But they don't like what I want to talk about that is political, and it's notable that I'm conservative and they're a university. And they told me to never call their call-in program where they solicit phone calls. Uh, as th That's what their program is. But they told me by name, David Olson, never call in again. And, and I, asserting my 14th Amendment right, amongst others, 
uh, indeed did call back in, and they called their private police force, the UNM PD, and had me written up on four different charges, and we've been uh, fighting for uh, for four years over over this issue. All right, so, David, we're going to give you your answer over the air. Really appreciate your call and wish you luck in your case. All right, go ahead. Uh, so, what so, do you think about that? so when I hear about that, if it is a university, a publicly funded university and a uh, public radio broadcast, um, I, I see a couple of issues there. The first issue is I, I don't know that in terms of just telling you you can or cannot call – the same rules apply in a private sense. For example, Radio Law Talk, we're not a government agency. We're, we're private. I mean, in, if, if somebody wants to call, we want to put it on the air. We, we put it on the air. We, we usually do, but we're not governed by... Um, we don't have to. We don't have to. Right. In, in a situation like that with the University of New Mexico... And I think this is going to segue nicely into this discussion here, Denise. With the University of New Mexico, because they're a public agency, obviously they have to open it up for dialogue and discussion because they're receiving public funds. Otherwise, it looks like the government is suppressing speech. I completely get that. Where, where it wouldn't be, uh, where they, I think, would be within their bounds is, and I'm not saying, Mr. Olson, that you did this by all means, I'm not saying this happened, but if somebody were to call in and make threats to the radio show and threaten harm and to threaten to do this, well, yes, I think that that goes beyond the purview of what's allowable, and, and that, that's a crime to do that, and that in and of itself, it's not a crime because they said don't call, it's a crime because the speech itself would be criminal in nature. Right, so if it, it falls underneath the inciting eminent lawless action, Absolutely. or if it inspires fear and bodily harm, that's the U.S. Supreme Court saying this would be exception to that free speech. But it goes even further because now we're looking at states That's right. and the constitutions, too. So in each state, you could have some preclusion on your free speech if it's in their constitution. You, you could have if it's in their constitution so long as ultimately – the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't say, well, wait a minute, your state constitution is trumped by the federal constitution. We say that federally you're allowed to do that, so that you can't have a state constitution that comes in. But what I see the issue here is if the radio station in New Mexico is taking a subjective view that the comments of the individual are are not within the legal definition of hate speech, as the Supreme Court has said, but are, look, it's just offensive to us that you said that. Let's let's say somebody called in and said, we don't believe gender is malleable, okay? Sure. Right. And, and, this, and the radio station says, you know what, we think that that's closer to hate speech because it's offensive. Or it to, scares me. It, it scares yeah. me, or it's offensive to, to transgender individuals or people who do, who do believe that. Well, I, I think that the radio station may have an issue because it is too subjective in that regard, which brings me to... The Section 230 amendments that were that were proposed. One was proposed by um, the Department of Justice, correct? Yeah. Th yes. There's kind of an interplay here. There is an executive order that um, the President Trump has issued. Yes. Um, we know that's going to get challenged. Um, and then there is there's some other legislations already in Congress, but they involve um, basically taking the immunities away for certain kinds of content such as um a, a sexual um you know uh, gosh trafficking or childhood you know yes. trafficking or those type of things so now they're starting to to take these are exceptions to the 230 immunity 
Um, but it's mostly been criminal in nature, what they're making exceptions for. So when we come back, as we're at the uh, coming up on our three-quarter of the hour break here, when we come back, we're going to pick up on this. We're going to talk about the two laws, the, the twin proposals that are making their way through the legislative bodies, how those are different from executive orders, and what are some key features in both of the proposals that may affect the immunities that some tech companies enjoy under 230. You're listening to Radio Law Talk. Don't go away. We'll be back after this. That's a lot, and there's a lot coming up on Radio Law Talk for the rest of this hour, and there's still one more hour to come, which you can catch online or on your favorite radio station. So please stay tuned to Radio Law Talk. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. If you're one of those independent people who wants your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins. Iceberg is famous for its thick shakes and delicious food. We lend you our supply chain and expertise, and you can potentially have a thriving, successful, fun business that your customers will love. Iceberg Drive-Ins has some prime areas available right now, so if you're interested, get in touch with us right away. Go to icebergdrivein.com and click on the Contact Us button. Iceberg Drive-In. Ready to grow with you. This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. Hi, I'm Frederick Penny of Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. I bet you're tired of hearing lawyer commercials. So just relax and listen to music for a few seconds. When you or a family member has been injured, call 800-616-4LAW or see us at pennyandassociates.com. See, that wasn't so bad. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 
Dick, 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 Dish TV is better than cable TV. Why? Because you can save 45% on packages compared to your high-priced cable bill. Wow. Take those giant scissors out and cut the cable and save with Dish TV. Plus, you get a free DVR upgrade to record your favorite shows and free installation. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch TV for free on your mobile device. Act fast. You can save hundreds of dollars. Does your cable company do that for you? I don't think so. Get all the best TV programming at your fingertips at a fraction of the price of cable TV. So say adios, arrivederci, goodbye to the high cable bill, and save up to 45% on Dish TV packages today. These are limited time offers and can change at any time. Call fast, 800-814-5108, 800-814-5108, 800-814-5108. That's 800 5108 Oh, come on. Time to get back to Radio Law Talk on RadioLawTalk.com and on your favorite radio station. So we've been talking about uh, tech companies, Facebook, uh, Facebook, Twitter, what is it, Instagram, TikTok, just any of these social media company, uh, companies. Google. And, and Google. And look, uh, let's face it. There's a lot of entertaining stuff on those sites. There's a lot of political speech. There's a lot of stuff that's true. There's a lot of stuff that's not true. It is a mishmash of a bunch of stuff, right? A bunch of stuff. And so right now, just to to recap, you know, if stuff is told that is not true, defamatory, under the current status of the law right now, uh, because of uh, Section 230, these companies like Google and Facebook, they cannot be held liable as a company for defamation or slander or anything like that because, look, they're not the ones per- putting out the content, so they say. The, it's, the, it's the users of the platform that are doing it, right? However, they're also, and, and we have to recognize that this has happened, these same companies have also removed some content that they have found violates their community standards, uh, some that they have removed because, in their opinion, it has been misinformation, disinformation. There are a whole host of reasons. And Section 230, a lot of people don't recognize this, Section 230 that we're talking about historically has required them, these companies, to remove some information, information that falls in the following categories. Obscenity, lewdness, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent. It's that last category of excessively violent that gets to be somewhat of the difficult issue when it comes to the subjective way that it is implemented. I don't think it's just limited to excessively violent being um, uh, not objective because what's obscene? Remember, the U.S. Supreme Court says obscenity is you know it when you see it. Okay, that's that's pretty subjective. That's true. I, I, I'll give you that. I mean, I think when I think obscene, I'm thinking nudie pics and stuff like that, although it can go beyond the purview of obscene if somebody says something that is patently offensive and it's all words. Okay, I get that. I, I, I agree with you on that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. So while 230 required them, the companies, to remove this type of information, the question was, what's the standard to be employed that they can use to determine when something is like that. And up to now, it's been very subjective. So, Denise, I think that you even pointed this out. A bipartisan proposal 
has been that the removal, that the this be narrowed a bit. You still have the same categories, but the removal has to be based on something that is obje- a belief that is objectively reasonable yes. as opposed to a subjective. And, I, and I, I get that. And I think that that's a step in the right direction. Right. And the bipartisan proposal involves specifically child Exploitation. Uh, exploitation. Right. Look, I, you know, we, we can talk. We can talk back and forth about whether or not things should be censored uh, or should be removed because of political speech and because whether or not this is hate speech or not. But wh- I mean, when it comes to things that get into the realm of sex trafficking, child exploitation, right. I, I mean, folks, those are no. It has fact, no place anywhere. I, I can't. Yeah. I can't think of something that would be objectively unreasonable to remove it. I, I mean. It, well, except for I have to now argue something, not the child's part of it, but sex workers. There are sex workers that have legitimate sex work. That's true. Right. And you've got states where it's legal. So when I so, scroll down, I see a plumber. I see an ad for an electrician. And occasionally <laughs> I see an Okay, well, come on. But, no, I... It I, could still be but, plumbing. But I'm just trying to say, even that gets to be... Oh, my I gosh. I got you, Cal. I got him. I got him. Hey, is that a case or no case no, point for me? And I need one, too. Okay, but anyways, <laughs> moving right along. Um, you need a plunger. <laughs> <laughs> I just... You know what? I, I can't uh, even I can't even go there. I, I just have to step away thank from... Thank you. Thank you. I guess what I wanted to say... I'm just... Hear me out on this because I know you. I, I love being the butt of that clever humor. It's really nice. But <laughs> I feel like I'm playing a softball game, and one is coming right down the yeah, pike there, yeah. and, the, and the manager's giving me the take sign. I'm like, oh, but I want to and swing so bad. It was actually so a beach ball that was thrown down. <laughs> my my question is, my belief that the founders, and, and I have no idea of knowing this. I'm just telling you, I've read the Federalist Papers and all that. I still can't put my brain around all of it. But the founders basically said, if there's unpopular speech. People will turn away from it. We don't have to decide what unpopular speech is. The people of this country are smart enough to figure out that that is either inappropriate or unpopular speech, and they will not adhere to it or go to it. So they wanted, I think, a completely open marketplace of ideas. Where if a guy came in and said, listen, I don't like people from, uh, from Arkansas or people from Alabama or from New Zealand or whatever the case is, the rest of us would just turn our backs on them and say, well, you're an idiot, so we're not going to listen to you anymore. Yeah, but I think World War II taught us that persecution of people will be ignored sometimes. I, and so I, I think right. idealistically that's what our forefathers thought of. Because they envisioned, but yes. But the yeah. really reality of it is that there's a dark streak to human nature. Yeah. It, it really good is. Point. Good point. And, good and point. I see the yeah. unif- the where both points – actually make sense exist, yeah. <laughs> where both points exist and they make sense is if we accept the fact that there's no bright line that you can draw in the sand to say when it comes to speech you're either on this side or this side you're 0.08 it, or you're not right <laughs> it is it is it is a fuzzy line yeah. it is it is an idea a generalization where um you know, if, if you want to be safe don't even come close to where the fuzz starts right but if you do you run the risk of being on the other side when, when you get into something that is clearly not socially acceptable. The, the idea that we could draw a bright line in the sand to be completely safe from, from anything untoward, well, the only way you could do that is to draw the line so far to one side that there's no such thing as free speech anymore at all. Right. And I don't think we want that. So it's, it's understanding that... This is can sometimes be as clear as mud, but we have the concept <laughs> that we're trying for. But 
the founders also, and I know this from the Federalist Papers, they said we don't need to legislate morality because we do this under the assumption that we are a moral people. Yeah, and that's the difference. Well, that's the same in, under in our law in our legal structure. Um, there is an axiom, if you will, of justice that says you can't presume a violation of the law. You just can't presume it. You have to presume innocence of that's that right. and put the burden on the government to prove that's otherwise. Right. Exactly. And even yeah. even when you're talking, you know, to the judge, you're not going to say, well, he did this and this is a criminal act. You'd have to prove that. You'd have to prove the intent. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, and in and your speech, we contend, we hope to be able to prove. You can't just say he did it, right? I mean, that would be a presumption of guilt. You know, we, we, right. I'm going to get on my soapbox here, but probably because I'm a criminal defense attorney. But I love what you just said about that presumption. Our, our criminal system is based upon the presumption of innocence, that you are presumed innocent until the government, beyond a reasonable doubt, oh, there's that word reasonable again, right. beyond a reasonable doubt. A subjective doubt. doubt. Yes, yes, uh, not a subjective doubt, a no, reasonable but doubt. Objective, but there's no, but there's, objective. But there's no objectivity for, for reasonable. You can't you can't put a, a number, numerical value you can't on put, it. You can't put a numerical value, but here's the thing. You are innocent until you have been proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt out and that to a moral certainty of the person doing that judging and our criminal justice system is based on that bedrock principle and you want to talk about folks talk about criminal justice reform and stuff and how we need to change the laws and do whatever well in my opinion in my opinion i think a good step would be trying to get back to that beyond reasonable doubt standard because a lot of people are taken into custody, they're arrested, they're treated as if they're entirely guilty, they're in custody for a year, two years, waiting for their trial to get to, to where it's got to go. And they, you know, and, and this idea of reasonable doubt, I guarantee you the person charged with the crime doesn't feel like they've been treated innocent. And what has taken away the presumption of, of reasonable doubt? Videos posted of crimes. Or videos well, that has helped. That has helped. But something that's important that I think we get, even in this civil context, reasonable means what in your community is reasonable. It is changes from community to community to community. It's not always this bright, exact line. And so reasonableness actually has to do with that. What what that community is experiencing, what they uh, what they objectively know, and it can be different from community to community. That's important. That's why you have a jury by your peer. This this is the example I use. Is the sun going to come up tomorrow? Yeah, I think so. Do I know? I don't know. But would it be reasonable for me to doubt it based upon past experience over 52 years? Wouldn't really be reasonable to doubt that at this point. That's the example I use. But again, not a bright line, right? And we are done with hour number two. If you're not getting all full three hours, tune in on RadioLawTalk.com. we got another hour to go. Look forward to hearing you on the other side of this break. And we hope you look forward to hearing us on Radio Law Talk as the program continues right here. So stay tuned, please. You have been listening to RadioLawTalk.com, a copyrighted presentation of Radio Law Talk Incorporated. No,
Do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call. Because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first class tickets. 800-871-3291. 800-871-3291. Again, that's 800-871-3291.